Sister Leah Pitney texted me last week. She's gone back home for a few days for uh, Christmas. And she, the, what she asked me when she texted was, do you and Brother Luke coordinate your messages? And I said, absolutely not. As, as a matter of fact, we make a point. We may talk about Scripture, but we make a point to not talk about what we're going to preach on. Because the Lord is truly amazing. It's, I believe what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning goes hand in hand with what Brother Luke has shared with us and about the message of the gospel. And if you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the first chapter, as we consider the next couple verses in the message we've been preaching on the foundational truths. And we look to verse 8 and verse 9. And the message this morning is, let us now go. That's the message. title of the message is, let us now go. Ephesians 1 and verse 8. He says, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, if you've been listening to any of the sermons over the last few weeks, we've been speaking a lot about the blessings that God has given us, what he has done for us. And how do we know this? How do we know these things. It's because of what it says right there. He has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. You see, these things are the mystery of God. I love a good mystery, don't you? Those that is my favorite kind of of writing fiction or movie is a good mystery. You know, it, it can't have enough plot twists in it for me. I I just love the plot twists. I love to be Awed by whatever I'm reading or watching. Oh, I never saw that coming. Those are my favorite kind of movies or writings, fiction. As a matter of fact, uh, Christopher Nolan is a, is a director that some of you might be familiar with. And, and I, I'll watch anything that he comes out with on clear play for sure. On clear play. I'll watch anything that he comes out with because he, he is the master of twists and turns. I love it. And I love the twists and turns. I'm telling you. There's no director in Hollywood and there's no writer of fiction or there's no real true story that's ever occurred that can compare to the mystery and the twists and turns that God and his providence and his omnipotence has presented to us in the form of Christ and what Christ did. There's nothing more amazing. There's nothing greater that people didn't see coming than what Christ did on the cross. And think about the things we've talked about. We talked about our blessings. These are fundamental basics. And if you've never heard these things before, then that's sad. Because these are the basics. These are the the milk of the word. Where it says that he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That's a mystery that was revealed. He predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself. That's a mystery that was revealed. That we are adopted children of God. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. It's a mystery that God accepted us. You see, there's no mystery in us accepting Him. That all goes back to man. Most of what you hear out in the religious world today focus mostly on the sinner. The sinner needs to do this. The sinner needs to get right with the Lord. The sinner needs to pray a prayer. The sinner this. My experience this. And it's great to have an experience. That's a wonderful thing to have an experience. I have an experience. But my focus is on the Lord. What the Lord did for the sinner. If you will carefully listen to the things that are out in the religious world today, a great portion of it focuses on what the sinner does or needs to do. 
And I think you'll find that if you listen to much primitive Baptist preaching, you're going to find that most of it is focused on, if not all, what the Lord has done for us. See, that is the mystery that we have here before us. And I just believe many of God's people have just lost sight of the mystery of what God has done for us. He's accepted us through the beloved Christ. We have... We've been bought back or redeemed through the sacrificial blood of Christ and we have the forgiveness of sins. And it says that God is abounded to us in telling us this. You know, God had no obligation to tell you these things. The gospel that the Brother Luke has been so aptly preaching and teaching to us here this morning, the purpose of it, God did not have to include that, but He did. He could have just done it and you just wait till you got to heaven. And figured that out. The Lord figures it out for you and says, here I am. And sadly, there's many of God's people through the ages that have woken up in heaven to finally, fully, and completely understand what God had done for them. In our age of the gospel, I'm not saying we can understand it all because the amazing grace of God and what God has done for us is going to be overwhelming when we get to heaven. Even if you believe the truth from the time that you were a little fella all the way down to when you leave this world, it's still going to be overwhelming. But praise God, in His providence, He has chosen to reveal these things to us through the gospel. You see, the gospel is not going to get you there. It's just going to tell you about why you are on the way. How you're going to... Now, most people think, well, I'm going there because of what I did or what I said or what I think or how I prayed or how I was baptized. That's not how you get there. You see, the way you get there is the finished work of Christ. And this is the mystery that he's talking about. Accepted in the beloved. Predestinated under the adoption. In the pleasure of God, he chose your destination. And he chose you before the world was formed. He redeemed you through His blood. These are the mysteries that God has revealed. And and even after He reveals it, it's still a mystery. It's amazing. I was talking with Brother Wayne last week. Uh, We were breaking bread and enjoying breaking gospel bread. And, and And the mystery we discussed is how would He choose me? Why would He look to me? That is a mystery. You can ponder that mystery all the way into the ages of glory. You see, this is something that is very key to what Jesus did when He came and when He was revealed as the Son of God. You see, He didn't come here to become the Son of God. He came here because He was the Son of God and He was revealed as such. And the Gospel for the child of God, born of the Spirit, it is revealed to us through the Gospel. Oh, that's who He is. You see, time and time again, we could go through the book of Acts. One person after another person. Oh, they had the revelation. That's who He is. I didn't realize that. You see? Listen to these few verses as we get to our main text this morning. John 15 and 15, Jesus said, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. That's the gospel. Romans 16 and 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, what's the subject? It's the gospel. And the preaching of Christ Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. You see, there was a secret that was kept when God looked upon Adam and Eve and He said to Eve that the the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. Nobody understood the full meaning of what that meant. But it was revealed when the seed of the woman that came through the Virgin Mary bruised the head of the serpent forever whenever He was resurrected. I heard the old preacher say one time in one of the commentaries that the first step that Jesus took out of the tomb was the step that bruised the head of the serpent forever. 
in the resurrection. Paul says the revelation of this mystery through the gospel, it was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now watch this in Colossians 1 and 25. I think this brings it home. Paul says in Colossians 1 and 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. What is the fulfillment of the word of God in the, in regard to the gospel? Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. What is the mystery? Here it is. To whom God would make known. What's the gospel do? It makes known the truth. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is, here's the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The language is very key there. It does not say Christ trying to get in you. You notice that language? It's not Christ trying or pleading or begging to get in you. It is Christ already in you, the hope of glory. So a man like Cornelius, I don't want to get off track from my subject, but a man like Cornelius, who was already serving God, already praying to the Lord, already leading his house in a godly way, whenever the Lord sent Peter down there to preach to him, Peter recognized and said, the Lord's already here. He's already in you. It's not Christ trying to get into a child of God, but it is the mystery The glory of the mystery is that he is already in you as a born-again child of God. God, You see, God doesn't try to do anything. When he chooses to do it, he does it. And when he borns you again, you are born again forever and ever. Amen. You see? And this gospel tells you what happened to you. If you love the Lord today, if you serve the Lord, if you lead your house in a godly way, if you do godly things, it's because of the mystery that was revealed. And I tell you about it here today. Almost 2,000 years after Christ was resurrected, it is the mystery of God which was kept secret from before the at the foundation of the world. And it is not Christ trying to get in you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You already have Him. Look at Luke 2. Where we come to the title of our message, which is Let Us Now Go. Let Us Now Go. I think this ties into the day after Christmas, whenever we're thinking about things related to Christmas and the birth of Christ. So look at Luke 2, and let's begin reading in verse... Let's begin reading in verse 8. Luke 2 and verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds, Abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. That's the same word for the gospel. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. The modern versions of the Bible don't say swaddling. Most of them don't say swaddling. And that's so significant that it says swaddling clothes. That's the correct translation. Because the swaddling cloths were the things that were the strips of cloths that were used to uh, protect the little lambs when they were born. And Bethlehem was the place to find the best lambs for sacrifice. And the little lambs were swaddled. That's why it's so important to stick to the best translation. It says there were swaddling clothes. 
that Jesus would be wrapped in, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now here we go in verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath, what? Made known unto us. Child of grace. Let us now go. You say, well, I'd love to go to Bethlehem and see the supposed place of the birth of Christ. I'm talking about for you here and now, me and you. This is the effect that it ought to have on us. You say, well, Brother Tim, if the angels of the Lord would appear unto me and present themselves and make such a pronouncement, I'd be inspired to go. Let me tell you, child of grace, God has left his gospel here. He's not going to send an angel. He's going to send his ministers to preach the word of God and inspire us. If they're preaching the word of God the way that it should be preached in power and demonstration under the direction of the Holy Spirit, it should inspire us in the same way that the angels appearing to the shepherds inspired them. They looked at each other and they said, let's go tomorrow. We'll wait a little bit longer. Yeah, there was a song from the 90s. I listened to a lot of music in the 90s and there was a a group that I loved, Diamond Rio. And one of the songs that stuck with me was a song that wasn't even a number one hit, but it stuck with me. It was called In a Week or Two. And it says, in a week or two, I was going to bring you flowers. In a week or two, I was going to do this for you. I was going to do that for you. But the girl was gone in a week or two. You see, he was going to wait just a little bit longer and just get to the point to where he was going to do what he ought to be doing in the first place. I don't know. That's probably silly in my silly mind. But God's not calling us to follow him in a week or two. That's why over and over it says now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to serve God. That's the, it's supposed to be the impact of the gospel. Let us serve him now. Let us not delay what we should be doing today. I know one of the things our parents told us, Brother Chris and I all coming up, they were like, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Because we obviously we're pretty prone to do that. I'll study tomorrow 12 hours before the test. <laughs> You know, I'll clean up my room tomorrow. I'll wash my clothes tomorrow. I'll do this tomorrow. Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. I tell you, that brings a real peace of mind. What if these shepherds had looked at each other and said, Boy, that was something, wasn't it? That's some angels. I think I'm going to go home and get a little snack. I'm kind of hungry. You know, we'll, we'll stop off at the store and pick up some supplies. And then we'll ease on over there and see. This miracle that's been kept secret from the foundation of the world... That's not what the shepherds did. The impact of the message of the revelation of God is here. God is present. The impact of the revelation was that they would go now. Let us now go and see. The word now occurs several times in the scripture. In one place, in Acts 13 and 2, it occurs where it says separate. That's the same word. That's where he said separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for this particular work. It it carries the idea of doing something, of being deliberate. It's also another place, the word therefore. And in another place, it's the word doubtless. So it, it means to be intentional. It means to be deliberate. When those shepherds looked at each other and they said, let us now go. They were going to take deliberate action to do what the message had encouraged them to do. And the Greek alliteration of that right there, if that does anything for you, it literally says, go now, go. <laughs> it means to traverse. It means Go means to pass over, to pierce through, to travel. Their reaction whenever the Lord appeared to them and told them the gospel, the good news that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world, was to go now. Let us now go. God has revealed things to us that have been kept secret since the foundation of the world. 
And a lot of times, if you're like me, you're just kind of, oh yeah, that's a great thing, isn't it? Now let's go do something else. <laughs> what is our reaction? Notice it says in verse 15, it came to pass, the angels were gone away. They said, let us now go even unto Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. That's the gospel. And they came with haste. They dropped everything they were doing. I imagine they probably left the flocks out in the field there. They said, well, if the Lord's told us this, and there was probably... You know, somebody there that said, now, wait a minute. You know, if we leave these flocks here, something might happen to them. We better leave one of us here. And they were like, are you kidding? The Lord has told us to go and do this, to go and see this. I'm sure the Lord is capable of taking care of the flock that we leave here. Maybe he sent an angel or left one of those angels around to stand by on the edges of the field and say, nothing's going to touch this flock while these men are going to do what I've called them to do. You see? We get so worked up and worried about so many things that never even happen. You understand that? If I had a dime for the number of times that I sit there and thought, well, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, that could happen, the other could happen. And I'm going to tell you, as you get older, that gets worse. Yes, ma'am, I see some of them nodding back there. You, you sisters can amen that. I don't mind at all. It gets worse. Like, for example, yesterday in the afternoon, we went out and rode four-wheelers for a little while. We were riding through a field. And I remember thinking, in the field where I used to go to the terraces and go, woohoo, jump over those terraces. I remember one of my daughters was riding a four-wheeler. She went out of sight, and she was moving a little fast. And the first thought that came to my mind, oh, my goodness, she's probably flipped. It's probably going to turn over on her. She's probably going to die right here on Christmas Day. There she was, you know, going up the other side. I didn't think about that 15 years ago when I was taking them behind me and going, woohoo, and they were little bitty fellas. Think about the things that we worry and fret about that never even come to pass. When we could have taken that time that we worried and fretted and just go now, like he said. God's going to take care of the flock. God's called us to follow him. None of those shepherds stayed and watched the flock. It said, let us go now. Maybe they they might have grabbed up a few lambs with them and took them. I don't know. Some of the pictures that you see of the manger scene, you see some of them doing that. I don't know. But they went then. They went with haste. The word haste is the same word that we find in Timothy where it says study to show thyself approved unto God. Which I hope Brother Luke said he's going to preach on that sometime. I hope he does. It says study to show thyself approved unto God. It means to make haste. It gives the idea of I've got to get on this. Child of grace. I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you can barely just read. Or maybe you're older and and maybe never learned to read like you should have. And maybe you say, well, I don't really like to read. Let me tell you what. The secret and the mystery of God is found within the covers of this book. The mystery that was hid from before the foundation of the world and kept secret through all of the ages. And it's been revealed to you. And I tell you, you can spend a lifetime gazing upon the pages of God's mystery that is now revealed. And then many people say, well, I just don't know where to start. (laughs) Just start. Just start, child of God. Study the Word of God. These men made haste. It means to to be speedy. It means to urge on diligently. It means to await eagerly. You know, because you never know. You never know when or where you're going to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, have you seen Him, Brother Tim? I've seen Him many, many, many times. I've seen Him in the most mundane places. I've seen Him in the most unusual places. I've seen him in places where I didn't even expect to see him when I, he wasn't even on my mind when I went. And I've seen the Lord there. I remember one time, several years ago, I was handling district court. And there was a fellow, a defendant there, it was misdemeanor court, so it wasn't 
as serious as felony court, but there was a fellow there that had been coming back and back and back. We'd had him several times through the years on some different things. And we had him on this one particular thing that he was crossed up with his neighbor. And the neighbor was prosecuting him. And I had worked something out to where they could just kind of let bygones be bygones and go their way. And I remember taking that man back there and, and you know, knowing I'd been around him so many times in court. Yeah, I had, I had my guard up. And I was thinking, here we go again. But I remember as I sat there across the table from him and began to talk to him. And I could tell he was in anguish. This man was in anguish. And he began to talk about troubles that he was having and other things that was going on in his life. And I didn't have time for it. I did not have time. And I did not go in that room back there expecting to find Jesus Christ. But as that man sat there and began to pour out his soul to me, and he began to cry in my presence. And I just sat there and listened to him and told him I would pray for him and pray for him then. I didn't go in there expecting to see Jesus. And you know that after that day, I've never seen that man in court again. Never. He looked at me after we finished and we hugged each other back there. Not many times when a prosecutor hugs a defendant, but I have. He said, thank you for listening to me. I told him, I said, if you ever need anybody to listen to you anytime in the future, you know where my office is. It's right across the street. Come, come talk to me. I didn't go in there expecting to find Jesus. You can find Jesus so many strange places. The shepherds were told, go find Jesus, the Christ laying in a manger in a feed trough. Are you kidding me? That's the last, that's the last place anybody would ever look for a baby, number one, right? <laughs> In a manger where, where sheep and cows eat out of it. And furthermore, it's the last place you would ever imagine of the secrets that were kept secret from the foundation of the world. It's the last place you could ever imagine to find the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you know, every Christmas just kind of comes and goes, we go, oh, that's cute. That's sweet. Really ponder that and think about that. Mary did. So Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. The last place you would expect to find Jesus in the ordinary, in the everyday. Child of grace is the message of the Lord, the revelation of his son, what he has done for us. Does it lead us to let us now go? Let us make haste. And they went and they found Christ in the most unusual place, in the most unusual circumstance. I want you to notice several things about this message as we close. First of all, it brought them together. It brought them together to discuss what they had seen and heard. They said, they looked at each other and they said, let us now go and see this thing that has come to pass. The message of the gospel had a too good to be true effect on them. Do you understand that's what the truth of God ought to do for you and me today? It's just too good to be true. But it is true because of the resurrection of Christ. It ought to have that impact on us. I dare say that if the message of God is not having that impact on us, then we need to think, number one, carefully about ourselves. Where am I? Where am I in my thinking and in my heart? And number two, if it's some issue with the preacher that's preaching it, then pray for that man. You don't go home and have roast preacher for dinner. Pray to God that you don't. If you go home and have roast preacher for dinner, then don't expect your children or your grandchildren to want to be around. I mean, who wants to have roast preacher? It tastes terrible. It ought to have a too good to be true effect on us. The shepherds look at each other and they begin to say, this is amazing. Look, it's like when Sister Tracy said yes to marry me. (laughs) That was just too good to be true. It's like a few weeks ago, Brother Cole, whenever we thought Norman Deason had died. (laughs) And I found out that afternoon, he's alive, he's alive. It's too good to be true. (laughs) I thought he was dead. I was already thinking about going to the funeral. Brother Cole was too. (laughs) That kind of effect. It's just too good to be true. 
It's also like I've experienced this waiting for juries to return with a verdict throughout the years of handling jury trials. That's one of the worst. For an impatient person like me, that's probably the worst experience that I've ever had. (laughs) You just wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. And then they come out. And what a relief it is. You know, it's kind of like the old Jerry Clower story about the guy was up in the tree and the and the wildcat was up there. They were fighting. He said, just shoot up in here amongst us and put one of us out of our misery. Somebody's got to have some relief, you know. Finally, when the jury comes out and the foreman stands up and he pronounces the verdict, oh, it's just a relief. Yeah, I want to win. But it's just a relief to hear the truth of what that jury is going to say. You see, it ought to have a too-good-to-be-true effect upon us. And it also moved them quickly in the direction that the message revealed to them. Here is news that affected joyful action. They said, let us now go. Let's don't delay. Let's don't hold back. Let's now go. As opposed to maybe you think about Lot. The messengers come and say the city's about to be burnt to the ground. And Lot's just, you know, he's just fiddling around. You know, what do I do? What do I do? And the angels finally just had to basically grab him by the nape of the neck like you would take a little kitten and just say, get out of here, man. Lot was just fiddling around. He was not moving. The message of God's word ought to move us in our lives. It ought to move us to join the church of God. It ought to move us to serve God. It ought to move us to love husbands to love their wives, wives to love their husbands, children to honor their parents. It ought to move us to want to share these things. They came with haste. They were exciting. <laughs> you know, somebody might ask you the question, where are you going? Where are you going today? And you say, I'm going to church. And then you're going on vacation the next week and somebody says, where are you going today? I'm going to the Grand Canyon. I'm going out west. I'm going to see the most amazing things you've ever seen. But where are you going Sunday morning? I'm going to church. That's flip-flop, brothers and sisters. Where are you going Sunday morning? I'm going to hear about the mysteries that were kept secret from the foundation of the world. Oh, the Grand Canyon is great. I've seen it twice. But there is nothing that can compare to the Grand Canyon of the truth of the grace of God. The grace that is so insurmountable and not comparable to anything in the world. And you could see it by the eye of faith and hear about it in the message of the gospel. They came with haste. Where are you going next Sunday morning? I'm going to church to hear these mysteries. Look at the impact that it made on them. That they wanted to share this truth. It says that they came with haste. They found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. When they'd seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in their heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You see the impact that it had on them and how it rubbed off on others. They said, let me tell you what happened. You see... The impact that it had on them was to go and share it. They went around glorifying and praising God. You see, it lasted with them. Listen, I don't have time to go into it, but I want you to think about this. I am going to go into it. It won't take but just a minute, and we've got three minutes. The shepherds, it's very significant that the shepherds were the ones who the angels brought the message to. Number one, they weren't the high and mighty. As a matter of fact, a shepherd's life was, it was stinky, it was dirty, it was late nights, getting hardly getting any sleep. Shepherds, I won't say they were the outcasts, but they were definitely a different breed of, of people. So here they are out on the fields at night, diligently watching their sheep. Isn't it funny that the message of God came to the watchers? And 
being around Bethlehem, Judea, it was known for the area for the best sheep. So if you needed a sacrificial sheep and you'd traveled a long ways, you might find the man at the temple and you say, I need a sheep. He'd say, go down there to Bethlehem, Judea, look to the tower of the flock. But there's a fellow down there named so-and-so, Simon or something like that. See him. Tell him I told you to come see you. He'll make you a deal on some sheep like you wouldn't believe. So you see, these shepherds were involved in providing sheep for the temple sacrifices. And it says they went back and they told abroad. They made it known. Everybody was told about this. Where do you think one of the places is that they went to tell that? They gathered up sheep to take to the temple to sell, to be sacrificed. The males of the flock. And don't you know when they got to the temple, they said, Hey, let me tell you what happened the other night. The angel of the Lord appeared to me and him and this other guy and this other guy over there. And they told us to go to Bethlehem near the place where the ewes birthed their young in that area near the tower of the flock. And this baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they told us it was the Christ. They began to spread that truth at the temple. No doubt whatsoever. Because that's their occupation. To sell the sheep and the lambs. Sell the lambs to the temple. And lo and behold, about eight days later, in verse 21, it says that they went to the temple for the purification of Jesus according to the law of Moses to present Him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice, verse 24. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And yes, I believe the Holy Ghost directly revealed to him that this was the child, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Don't you know that that man, Simeon, who spent his days at the temple and he was in Jerusalem, he heard those shepherds talking about this. We've seen the Christ. He's here now. He was in Bethlehem. So he was watching because of the message that those, he didn't see the angels. Because of the message that those men told him, he was watching and he goes and he sees the Christ. Listen, because of the message of the gospel, It inspired the people of God to let us now go. Don't wait in a week or two to serve God. Don't say, well, I'll figure that out sometime down the road. Serve God now. That's what the message of the Word of God inspires us to do, you see. And child of God, as old Baptists, as believers in the truth of God, and understanding the glorious truths that have been revealed of chosen in Christ, accepted in the beloved, predestinated to the adoption, redeemed by His blood, forgiveness of sins, all of those things ought to make us want to go now to serve God. That's what the shepherds did. But we say a lot of times, Where are you going on vacation? I'm going to this great place. Where are you going Sunday? Out to church. (laughs) Let's don't look at it that way. Let's look at it in a way that we should, which is I'm going to a place to hear about the mysteries that were in place before the world was formed, and I'll be enjoying them after I breathe my last. That's supposed to be the effect of the message of the gospel. And if we're preaching... The grace of God, salvation by grace alone, it should affect us that way. If that's how it affects you this morning, if you've never done it, the first thing to do is say, Lord, I want to follow you in New Testament baptism. I believe that the only hope that I have is Christ in me. Christ having paid for my sins and I'm an unworthy sinner. And you're in the right place to make that confession. And we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.